This is the Truth Warrior Podcast with your host, David Whitehead. Can pigeons read? This one gives every indication because he's been taught to distinguish between two words and to behave appropriately. He's learned his different response to each sign by being rewarded with food. So the bird isn't acting independently. Its behavior is shaped by controlling its environment. The first task was to isolate an individual piece of behavior and see how that could be changed. Skinner did this by keeping individual pigeons at about three quarters of their normal weight so that the birds were always hungry and food could be used as an automatic reward. The pigeon was studied in a uniform box, one it quickly grew used to. One piece of behaviour, pecking a coloured disc, was measured on a graph. The pigeon learned that pecking the disc produced a reward. Then the behaviour of pecking could be studied in relation to how often that reward was offered, or in Skinner's terms, what was the schedule of reinforcement? The main thing is what, what we call schedules of reinforcement. Reinforcement is what the layman calls reward, and you can schedule it uh, so that a reward occurs every now and then when a pigeon does something. We usually use a response with a pigeon pecking a little disc, a little spot on the wall, and you can reinforce with food. But you don't reinforce every time, you're every, perhaps every tenth time, or perhaps only once every minute or something like that. There are a very large number of, of schedules and they have their uh, special effects. And there is a good example of how you can move from uh, the, uh, the pigeon to the human case, because one of the, one of the schedules which is very effective with, with rats or pigeons is what we call the variable ratio schedule, and that is at the heart of all gambling devices, and it has the same effect. A pigeon can become a pathological gambler just as a person can. Now, the fact that we found that out with pigeons and could prove it by removing and changing the schedule makes it easy for us to interpret the case with the human, the human subject. If you don't know who B.F. Skinner is, who was basically, um, he was able to predict the outcome of mice or rats in his studies based upon the tests that he would give them and the kinds of impulses and tokenization or rewards that he would feed back to the mice. So he could, he could do it in a very sophisticated way and really the Skinner ideal is exactly what's building this, even a decentralized cybernetic network that we're being pumped into right now. Maui is a part of it, Ukraine is a part of it, all the places where the BLM riots happened are a part of it. It's this smart agenda. It's this um, jump smart Maui. There are all these kinds of ways to push us into a Skinner box. So we're not like cattle given only one option. We're actually given several options, like an avatar inside of a video game, to gather more data from our group behavior. Well, there you have it. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Truth Warrior. So happy to be back. Had a little break there last week, but here we are ready to go. And here we go into the discussions about a Skinner box and whether or not we are in one right now. Uh, and that's what we're going to be asking today. 
So hope you're all doing well. Uh, make sure, yeah, everything is set. One of the things that jumped out of that clip is one sentence that really jumped out to me during that. It's just a piece of an old documentary on the Skinner box experiments by BF Skinner. And the narrator says its behavior, he's talking about the pigeon, its behavior is shaped by controlling its environment. The bird is not operating independently. It's operating off of the training that it's been given to peck that wall in order to get food. And they change the frequency, they change the schedule and thereby they control the behavior so that the behavior becomes predictable. And of course, you know, you're thinking, oh, well, they just did those experiments to learn more about pigeon behavior, <laughs> except at the end of the experiment, what does BF Skinner himself say? Well, it's very rel relatable to the human subject. What can we learn from all these experiments we've done on animals and take that information and apply to the mass mind? So I guess the other question at the heart of this is really, are you and I in charge of our own destiny in this life? I think that's really what this is. We talk about freedom. We're talking about the rise of totalitarianism and all these control freaks running around trying to create various Skinner boxes so that we behave and operate the way they believe we should. This seems to be something that's been happening to us since the dawn of humanity. When you look back at the historical record, there's been ideas that have been promoted and other ideas that have been demoted. And the ideas that are promoted are promoted by whoever has the money, power, and influence, and more importantly, the knowledge of how to manipulate public opinion so that that becomes the known truth. That becomes the pillars of society. And then those pillars can be changed, right? And that's what we're in right now. So I'm not here to ascribe any particular malice to B.F. Skinner himself or some of these other behaviorists. That's another debate to get into. That's not really what I'm concerned about. I'm just concerned about the fact that what they produced in their research and there were many other behaviorist thinkers and Pavlov and all these guys who, whether they were working independently or whether they were commissioned uh, by the high table, um, doesn't really matter because in the end, the results of their research became known by the governments of the world, the intelligence apparatuses of the world. And really they were just digging into something that's been known for thousands of years by the controlling oligarchy, as Aldous Huxley would have put it, where their aim is to induce a state of slavery to either ideals or to the state or the empire but to induce it by way of manipulating pub public opinion and by creating the Skinner box of the mind where the individual in society believes that he is commanding his mind, but he's not. His ideas are formed, his tastes are formed, his beliefs are formed, his opinions are formed, and then they know he's going to repeat those as though they are his when they're not. They're implanted. Um, in his mind to basically create and produce the sort of character that the authorities find desirable as Bertrand Russell would have put it. So that's kind of what we're getting into today, guys. 
So strap yourselves in. Uh, before we do, let me get a little background for you on what I've been up to. For those of you who are new or haven't been tuning in in a while, if you just head over to my website, dwtruthware.com, everything is listed there. You can get caught up. So if you ever miss a show or you're not sure where to start, go to that website. I have a great team of people. Thank you, Celine, and thank you, Monica, who helped me out with this site and helped me organize it. So right at the top, of course, is where you can find my new chapter of Cult of the Medics, the free documentary series that you can get right now over either you can link it right from this website or you can go to the direct website, cultofthemedics.com. And I put this out there for free. And if you would like to support that project, support my research in general, uh, there's a donate link there. And yes, I know that less than 1% of people donate and that's fine, I guess. But if there's anything you can do, it definitely helps a lot. Uh, if not, just please help me by sharing it far and wide. I think this chapter turned out really well, um, especially where it sits in the series. We still got two more left. Those will be coming down the line. And then you can also go and check out my latest podcast. Last time I was here, we did the psychology of dependence, which actually will work very well with what we're going to talk about today. This was digging into another section of that chapter 10. We were getting into Nathaniel Brandon's work on the psychology of dependence and asking the question, you know, we've got the manipulators, we've got the architects of control who are trying to bend your ear, but maybe you want your ear bent. Maybe you don't want to think for yourself. Maybe you don't want to be independent. Maybe you don't want freedom. Maybe you, maybe not you, but you know, I'm talking to the vast majority of the general public. Um, maybe the vast majority of the general public despises freedom is afraid and petrified of freedom. And so they've developed something called the psychology of dependence, which assists the architects of control in their mission to bring about the world is, as they see it, the world that they want, which uh, to me is an absolute dystopic nightmare, but I'll leave it to you to decide. Then you go check out my drive with Dave's. I've got a whole series on my Rockfin channel. That's usually where I feature them once and you may get a few of them on Rumble, but I made this originally particularly for Rockfin. You can get it over there. My recent one was on what side are you on, man? It's something to do with what's going on in the Middle East. This was just my initial reaction. Uh, my latest premium. So I do have a premium uh, section for those of you who want to support this work and get some extra digs that I do on various subjects. You can go to dwtruthwarrior.com forward slash premium. You can get it either on uh, Ko-Fi, which is only about six bucks a month, and that's where you're just getting my content, or you can subscribe to Rockfin Premium, where it's a little bit more, but you get access to all of my archives and also all the other content creators on Rockfin, you get all of theirs as well. So it's totally up to you which way you wanna go, and definitely every little bit helps. And the recent one that I've been really talking a lot about, that's, uh, I think, such a huge subject in itself is called The Occult Conspiracy. It's based on the great book by Michael Howard, and we dive down the rabbit hole of the history of many of these secret societies and really where all of these ideas that are now parroted by the top academics, the media, the politicians, et cetera, where did they originate from? And so we're looking into that because there's a definitely a big story to be told. So go ahead over there and check that out. Uh, for those of you that follow the Unslaved podcast, Michael and I have been very busy. Michael's been doing basically presentations each week. We've had a few guests sprinkled in between. Uh, we're going to be bringing back um, 
bringing back some good guests coming on to talk about what's going on with all this mass migration and the EU and the globalists infrastructure and all that good stuff. We've been doing a deep dive on psychology, which is key and also digging into different areas of philosophy to do some comparisons that you wouldn't see anywhere else. You wouldn't see certain people's thoughts remixed in this way. Um, and I think that's, what's unique about what we do on Unslaved. We just did one on Nietzsche's will to power and contrasted that with, um, Victor Frankl's will to meaning, uh, and some of these other things, very deep stuff and definitely some good stuff to look at. So if you head over to unslaved, it's a premium podcast, but it's definitely worth it. And, uh, we thank all of our members for making our work over there possible. So now that that's out of the way, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open this up with a book that I talk about pretty regularly, but it's always nice to pull out and read a little bit, especially given the world we live in, because it's, this book is coming alive in front of us. And that book is Mass Control, The Engineering of Human Consciousness by the great Jim Keith, who I believe was killed for his rebellion against the CIA and all of that. Um, and... He has a section here. We're going to start with this one. This section was read in Michael's great documentary that you can get on Unslave, by the way, called Architects of Control. I watched this back when it first came out, and it absolutely got me down a lot of these rabbit holes. And I followed up on the names that was mentioned in that film. I got all these books. I started reading them, and it just blew my mind how prophetic they were in one way or another. Um, and this is one of them. Jim Keith's work is one of them. And this is what Jim Keith has to say. This is actually in the afterword of the book, if you're curious. Okay. So I'm just going to read it out and then we'll talk about it. Keith says, here stands the new man. We're going to talk about the new man and where that specific term actually comes from. Here stands the new man, his mind and body stolen from him, soul reduced to the impulses of the animal he thinks he is. His conception of reality is a dance of electronic images fired into his forebrain, a gossamer construction of his masters designed so that he will not under any circumstances perceive the actual, the reality basically. His happiness is delivered to him through a tube or an electronic connection. His God lurks behind an electronic curtain. And when the curtain is pulled away, he finds the CIA sorcerer, the media manipulator, the cyberneticists, the weaver of the dreamscape, or the transhumanist. Just a phenomenal statement. Um, and when we go and look up the new man, you can go to Wikipedia even, and they've got a little record of it. It can be useful for some things. Um, and it's called the new man. If you go look on Wikipedia, the new man, and it's in brackets, utopian concept. Okay. This is just what they're going to say. And then I've got some things to add. The new man, they say, is a utopian concept that involves the creation of a new ideal human being or citizen replacing unideal human beings or citizens. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? Like, have we ever attempted this before in our history? The meaning of a new man has widely varied and various alternatives have been suggested by a variety of religions and political ideologies philosophical and religious versions. Now, this is interesting because at the top, they have the Baha'i faith's interpretation of the new man. You know, hear about this Baha'i faith? 
It's interesting this came to my attention as I was researching this because I just got back from Toronto, um, just went to the funeral of my lovely grandmother who lived to the ripe old age of 99. What a phenomenal legacy she had. So I got to go down and pay my respects and see some family. And as I'm driving around Toronto, I see the Baha'i church on the corner. And right on the front of the church, it's got one of those signs that they put on the front road and it says Baha'i faith ushering in the new world order. I was like, what the, wow, what, what's this about? And the more you dive into the Baha'i thing, um, it's quite an interesting rabbit hole. Let me just tell you. So I'm not here to do a whole deconstruction of that, but I found it interesting that in the Baha'i faith, they have this prophecy of something called the new race of men. All right. So you can get into that. Uh, they have a little uh, thing on Nietzsche's Ubermensch, right? Of course, most likely is going to be grossly misinterpreted. But either way, there you go. Talking about the new man or the overman. The new man who would be an example to humanity through an existentialist will to power that was vitalist and irrational in nature. I mean, that, again, when you hear other people commenting on philosophers, I always uh, say, no, nah, just go read what the philosopher meant and then how it's been interpreted by everybody else, which is usually a bunch of nonsense. But either way, there's many different precursors to this idea of a new man. I've spoken about this too in, I can't remember what chapter it was, but it's kind of throughout the Cult of the Medic series about something called the alchemical transformation of man or to alchemically alter humanity. And we're speaking about a sort of dark alchemy in that rendition of it. But so this is something that goes back, some of these visions that have been in various cults. And actually think of any cult or religion, what are they trying to do? They're trying to perfect man. That's the mandate of every cult is we're going to perfect, you're broken, you know, you're lost. So we're gonna help find you and we're gonna help remold you into the good human that you should be um, as determined by the higher power, by the gods, by the cult leader, by the doctrine, whatever it is. So this is something that's just everywhere in human history, this idea of a new man. Uh, we got the liberal concept, the birth of a new man and a new era. You got the utopian socialist vision, Henry D. St. Simon, Charles Fourier, Robert Owen, talking about the future of a golden age led by a new man who would reconstruct society. You got the communist idea, the new Soviet man, they used to call it. Even Marxism in general postulates the development of a new man and a new woman in a communist society, following the values of a non-essential nature of the state and the importance of freely associated work for the affirmation of a person's humanity. So it's collectivism. Um, so they go through it. Che Guevara's, Che Guevara wrote an essay, Socialism and the Man in Cuba, you know? And so the new man actually became like an archetype in various literature. You have the fascist idea of the new man. Fascism supports the creation of a new man who is strong-willed, dynamic archetype, a figure of direct action and bellicose violence, an anti-individualist. He is characterized by a sense of confidence and masculinity, quiet dignity, determination, and authoritativeness. And on and on we go. Uh, transhumanists, they have a definition for transhumanist. Transhumanism welcomes the creation of a literal new man by enhancements through cybernetics and other human enhancements. And they look to the singularity as that point in time when the new man arrives, his birthday, if you will. 
scholar Klaus von Dung argues that transhumanism represents the final revolution. <laughs> uh, in Confucianism, they call this Junzi, I think. Here we go. Yeah, the Junzi is a Chinese philosophical term often translated as gentleman, superior person, or nobleman. And there's many other sources there. But there's so much more to this idea because I think a lot of this stuff where you go, well, where did it originate? Is it just stuff people have thought up? Like, is this something, is this an archetype in our mind? Is this maybe a memory, some kind of phylogenetic memory of a fact that we're in a fallen state? This is another theory. You talk, get people like Wilhelm Reich and others, um, trying to think of some of the names, some other thinkers have talked about this, where their view is that it's not that necessarily that human history is this movement from the sludge to the primitive man to the enlightenment and then all of a sudden now we're at the apex and then we're just going to keep going that's sort of the typical view that you're going to hear their view is that man was once at that pinnacle that we live in these yuga cycles where we hit these pinnacles and then a reset occurs and then we're put back to the stone age and we kind of restart again and that what we're dealing with was the fall of man. And this is what you hear about in so much religious doctrine and so many of these ancient writings. It's even talked about in the myths and fairy tales, the folklore, the legends. It's in musical lyrics. This, this, uh, this idea that humanity has a memory of a lost golden age built within it. And this is what has driven us mad. This vision of a lost golden age or a perfection of a human species at one point, and then something happened some uh, theorists theorize that it was due to some fall related to an ancient cataclysm or past shock, as Jack Berenger coined it, the past shock. And he was writing his book, Past Shock, or he did a series of books on it uh, called Past Shock, based on some author in his day, it was in the 90s, he wrote these, that was writing about future shock, where he was worrying about the transhumanist stuff. But he was like, well, what about the past shock? What if this has happened before? And so it's the idea that ancient cataclysm, ancient trauma built up over time, uh, all the wars, all the bloodshed, all the chaos and horror of history. Uh, it's not that the human race in general, the sort of collective consciousness hasn't forgot that it's built into us. It's buried in our subconscious. It sort of tortures us. And that it's because we have a memory of basically there's a memory in us that, hey, there's something wrong with the world. This isn't supposed to be how we're living. We're not supposed to be slaves. We're not supposed to be conditioned by unseen manipulators. We're not supposed to be depressed. We're not supposed to be dying so young. We're not supposed to be living in a world filled top to bottom with every kind of criminality and evil you can imagine. Uh, we are in a fallen state from a previous state that is a sort of distant memory in the human mind. That's one theory. You can speculate on it, but regardless of what we believe in it, I'm more curious about what the people who are formulating and shaping our society, what they believe. And, and they're just so happy to tell us what they believe. And they're building the world for the new man that they believe is, is what's right for us. And who are they to do it? Who had pointed these people to build this new world? Who are the people telling us, you know, look at this stuff coming out of the WEF and all these transhumanists there. Look at, you know, the statements from people like King Charles and your presidents and politicians, the stuff coming out of Trudeau's mouth and all these people. 
that's you hear the refrain, you hear the certain terms and words that uh, they're using, whether they know where they come from or not. I sure do, because I've studied the list kind of literature for a long time. And that's why I present it, because I want you to be aware that knowingly or unknowingly, these people are working towards the agenda of the new man. And you could go, okay, that's acceptable to understand. I mean, look at the state of man. You're right, Dave. There's uh, lots of bad things going on. We need to find a way to free humanity from its various uh, ills and diseases, mentally and physically. So, yeah, we're in a fallen state. So what, what's so wrong about creating a new world order? What's so wrong about creating a new man? Maybe they're right. Maybe genetically manipulating us is the right way to go because how else do we stop the violence and the warring and the and the the low iqs and the primitivism and the barbarism and the murder and the viciousness how do we get rid of that and so you might think okay maybe some well-meaning people did research in this arena and we're trying to find the answer to this question how do we fix these broken humans And the predators amongst us, the power-seeking maniacs amongst us went, that's some interesting research. Here's the view of humanity that we have. And now we have the blueprint of how to achieve it through mass mind control, through mass manipulation of human consciousness. Oh, thank you, Pavlov. Thank you, B.F. Skinner. Thank you, CIA projects and experiment, MKUltra, all that. You know, and then they collect all this information. They've already got the stores of information from the ancient past of how the Caesars did this. How the, you know, various caliphates did this, how the various cult leaders did this of the past. And then all they got to do is just tweak it to make it fit the modern mind, which the modern mind is something that they've created for you in a way by this social engineering process. So you can get into the whole study of social engineering. Oh, there's something called social engineering. And then you read the books by people like Bernays and even some of the comments, I was going through some of the quotes from people like B.F. Skinner. And they're, if you read Bernays and B.F. Skinner and some of these behaviorists or Jose Delgado or these guys, they believe that manipulating the public mind and shaping it was a virtuous thing. They believe that was a good thing to do. And maybe there's a few points on their side. I mean, you got to look at it all and go, oh, what, what motivates people to do this? But no matter where you sit, I always sit back and go, well, the predators at the top, the people sitting at the high table that, you know, they're really only in it for themselves. And they're looking for what's the best business, what's the best way to keep our business model intact? What's the best way for us to ensure we sit on the thrones of power and we direct the destiny of men and that they don't direct their own? How do we, how do we keep that going? Well, they're going to be very curious in this world of research, of understanding behaviorism and how to basically build various Skinner boxes so that they can guide the destiny of entire countries, you know, and then fleece them as a result. Like, the the people that believe there's no such thing as corruption or evil of that level happening in the world would just look at everything I'm going to show you and go, yeah, they're just doing the best that they can, trying to fix the problem of, of this distortion in human consciousness. 
but I just say, yeah, I get why you think that, but I believe that you're profoundly naive. That's my rebuttal. Like, <laughs> And uh, the bulk of my work and go watch Cult of the Medics chapters one through 10 and come back and tell me if you still think that these guys are all just working on the best interests of the human species and they're just doing the best they can. There's probably many unwitting people involved in this whole process. Like I said, you can't just indict every, every little person that's coming up with this. They're doing their own independent study. Some of them are though commissioned and hired to do this. Some of them are a part of these various cults and secret orders. Absolutely. Make no mistake about it. Many of them even speak openly about that. You know, they're in the scientific lab by day in a Masonic lodge at night. So what's that all about? You know, is it just all about this perfection of, hum of humanity or is it about the perfection of humanity that would suit the oligarchs? Is it the perfection of humanity in terms of just trying to heal wounds from the past and try to heal humanity and uplift humanity and enlighten humanity, which would absolutely help? a lot of our struggles or is this about controlling humanity because there's something that humanity possesses that's valuable to them, which is this thing we call consciousness or genetics or however deep you want to get into this. But again, like everything I, I really don't want to sit here and convince you of my take on this. I have my take on this. I'll try to sprinkle it in as we go. I just want you to be aware of this world of research, these terms, new man, and then just start looking at the titles of movies, the titles of music coming out, the lyrics that are there, the, the, even the stories that are written into these films. And you start to wonder why is there so many of them? Is it just because this is a product of the collective unconscious or is there a steering committee? Or maybe it's a bit of both. And then the question is, is this malevolent or is this benevolent, right? Is this, is this for good purposes or is this for evil purposes? I'm on the side that there's definitely an evil purpose here, at least in this current rendition. Um, and I think we have to be aware of it. So how much of our, I guess this really just comes down to if people don't know that they're being manipulated, then they are easily led. I think that's just obvious, right? If you don't know you're being manipulated and that your opinions, your whole framework of thinking, your worldviews have all been installed they haven't come the other way out. They haven't come from within outwards. Like they've been installed through propaganda, through conditioning, through social conditioning. And these guys, Bernays, and they would argue that that's a good thing. The entire book, Propaganda by Edward Bernays, was him talking about the techniques of controlling and persuading and manipulating the mass mind. And he thought that this was necessary. Do you agree with him? The people running your country right now and working for these globalist infrastructures and these multinational corporations and major investing firms who are all donning the logos from ancient secret societies, by the way, which is interesting. Um, they believe that what they're doing is for the good. 
Mao Zedong believed that what he was doing was for the good. They all did. Walter Applewhite believed what he was doing with Heaven's Gate was for the good. So did they all. So you can't win an argument with them because they're just like, well, I was just doing it for the good. <laughs> You're like, okay, um, here's the trail of bodies and tears and tyranny in the wake of what you did. So is it really good? And they'll be like, yeah, it's totally good. In fact, this is what you'll get from the Club of Rome, Dennis Meadows. Well, we need a global dictatorship. You got to make a choice, humanity. We either get the global dictatorship run by a tiny unelected few who are going to use this science of how to create Skinner boxes to manipulate your mind. I'm ad-libbing, obviously, but it's pretty much that. Or we can cull a vast majority of the human population. Maybe they just decided, you know what? We're probably going to need a bit of both. Is it that far out of your imagination to think that that could be what's happening when you start to look at everything going on. So there lies the argument. Are they trying to create the new man? Are they motivated by something even maybe unknown to them? Are there even higher forces at work? These are all questions that come to my mind. But like, I got the, there's a few articles I'm just going to go through a couple aspects that struck me as I was looking into this. There's this one for um, something called the Institute for New Economic Thinking. It's entitled Giant Tech Firms Plan to Read Your Mind and Control Your Emotions. Can They Be Stopped? And this is the uh, little intro. Author and law professor Maurice Stroke explains why the practices of Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple are so dangerous and what's really required to rein them in. Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, we live within the digital worlds that they have created. And increasingly, there's little chance of escape. They know our personalities. They record whether we are impulsive or prone to anxiety. They understand how we respond to sad stories and violent images. And they use this power from which comes the relentless mining of our personal data all day, every day, to manipulate us and addict us. And this is the conclusion of University of Tennessee law professor Maury Struk, who is part of a progressive anti-monopoly vanguard of experts looking at privacy competition and consumer protection in the digital economy. He wrote a new book. It's called Breaking Away, How to Regain Control Over Our Data, Privacy, and Autonomy. And he explains how these giant tech firms have metastasized into dataopolies. I like that word, the dataopoly, which are far more dangerous than the monopolies of yesterday. Their invasion of privacy is unlike anything the world has ever seen, but as Struk argues, their potential to manipulate us is even scarier. With these four companies' massive and unprecedented power, what tools do we have to effectively challenge them? Struk explains why current proposals to break them up, regulate their, regulate their activities, and encourage competition fall short of what's needed to deal with the threat they pose, not only to our individual wallets and well-being, but to the whole economy and to democracy itself. So, and then the whole article is, is, uh, is basically just breaking down the interview here. I'll drop it in the rumble chat there. And where's my, oh, I don't have the other ones up. Sorry guys. I'll put it all in my telegram after for you. Okay. DW truth warrior on telegram. If you want all the deets, I'll post it all after my show as always. Okay. Uh, so that just think about that. <laughs> When I'm talking about Skinner boxes, I'm talking about how your perception is created, managed. And then what do we see in the world? We see children 
being manipulated in these algorithms and now their behavior before their prefrontal neocortex and their logic centers are even formed, which aren't fully developed until the age of between 20 to 25 years old, they are being guided down a variety of paths that are going to literally shape their future, shape their destiny, shape the forming of their personality. The B.F. Skinner has a quote that's something to the effect of what the Jesuits used to say, give me a man until the age of six and or seven and all, or give me a child to the age of seven and all make the man. The first seven years of life are crucial and they're being blasted by all these images, violent images. It's in the video games. It's in everything. And as parents, it's becoming increasingly difficult to regulate this because we don't want to be tyrannical. These kids are growing up in this world, but at the same time, because if you start slapping their wrists and saying no too much, what are they going to do? The influence on this society is so great. They're going to go do it at their friend's house. They're going to find a way to do it. And then you're losing connection with them. So this is the discussion I have with many parents, friends of mine as to what's the balance with that. But it's everywhere. It's You can't even stop it. You, you could put them in straight jackets and they would still have this leak into them some way, shape or form, because it's the current of the day. So we as parents need to do our best to at least educate our children, have these conversations, you know, pause that video that they're watching and explain some context, get the questions, you know, have a dialogue. That's all you can really do. But um, either way, I, you know, it's, it's just, it's so crazy to me how you start talking to people and see, I study this day in and day out. I've, I've got my ear to the ground. I'm, I'm up to speed on a lot of these different things, these currents, these trends that are coming out that are all created by basically four investment firms, a bunch of media companies and these tech firms who I think are still very, they're low on the totem pole because there's all the layers to the spider web above them. Where did they get it from? Why is it so universal? Why is it being so universally applied? But regardless of how you see the whole scheme of it, this is the situation we're in. And it's great to see that there's books where these guys are even just asking this question. I mean, I'm happy about that alone, that there's people out there that are going, yeah, it's uh, all of our opinions are being molded by a few big tech companies. And then you walk around and you hear everybody just repeating everything that you're that, you know, the same talking points. As, and the, the thing is, that that's what I notice. They're repeating it as if it is their organic opinion that they introspected on and thought about and crafted and researched and really thought about and compared to other ideas. Like we all repeat to a certain degree. But my question is, how much of your repeating, how much of your thinking are you actually applying? to your analysis and to your conclusions on these things. If you're just scanning your social medias and we see this in our side too, oh my God, it's almost worse. Falling for every little carrot thrown your way, every little thing. Oh, look at this new conspiracy. Oh, look at this new thing over here. And then you turn, it's, it's total bollocks and it makes everybody look bad. You know, so it's all, it's, it's all over the place, this manipulation, algorithmic manipulation. You're seeing what you're supposed to see. You're seeing through the Skinner box. You're being directed and rewarded emotionally because they've got the algorithmic tuning perfect to know what specifically motivates you. 
how many times you stroke that keys keyboard, how many times you access that phone, how many different websites are you visiting? What kind of shit are you reading? And then you get a nicely crafted package delivered to you every day. That's based off of those cues and those inputs that are AI generated for you. And then it is crafting a worldview for you, whether some of it's true, some of it's not a mix of, but it doesn't matter. It's still being crafted for you. And then people run around and think they've actually got their own opinion. They've got it all figured out. And we got to watch for this. It's just, it's a different time to be alive. This, this level was not available to the co controlling elites before it is now. And it's a super weapon. It's like Pandora's box. Can't put it back in. Here we are. So can, can your mind be saved? Absolutely. It can be saved. That's the good news. But only when you become conscious of all of this, can it be, you know, can you take back control of your sovereign mind? I've even got this from time magazine here, time magazine. We're dangerously close to giving big tech control of our thoughts. I don't think we're close. I think we're there. In 1942, the U.S. Supreme Court wrote, freedom to think is absolute of its own nature. The most tyrannical government is powerless to control the inward workings of the mind. The assumption that getting inside our heads is a practical impossibility may have prevented lawyers and legislators from dwelling too much on putting in place regulation that protects our inner lives. But it has not stopped powerful people from trying to access and control our minds for centuries. <laughs> or even... Even uh, admitting it at his trial for war crimes in Nuremberg, Albert Speer, Hitler's former minister of armaments, explaining the power of Nazi, the Nazi propaganda machine said through technical devices such as radio and loudspeakers, 80 million people were deprived of independent thought. It was thereby impossible to subject them. Oh, it was thereby possible to subject them to the will of one man. Today, the danger of being terrorized by technocracy threatens every country in the world. So they're just talking about that was just using radios and loudspeakers. Now you've got one attached to your hip 24 hours a day. And don't think, just don't make the mistake of thinking that just because you've woken up to this, that you're immune to this. There's a specially prepared package built just for you too. <laughs> just be aware of it. I catch myself all the time going, oh, wait a minute. Let's uh, rethink that one. So this isn't something just relegated to the world of conspiracy theories. This is, this is even spoken about in the mainstream. Wired Magazine is talking about mind control for the masses. No implant needed. A wave of startups wants to make brain-computer interfaces accessible without needing surgery. Just strap on the device and think. So they're talking about strap-ons. It's something called NextMind. Have you heard of this? It's called NextMind. I'm going to look this up by itself right now. Let's see where they're at. I think this article is from last year. NextMind. Snap, ar.snap.com, 
we're excited to share that Snap has acquired NextMind, a Paris-based neurotech company. NextMind has joined Snap to help drive long-term augmented reality research efforts within Snap Lab. The team will continue to operate out of Paris. Snap Lab is our cutting-edge hardware team focused on building devices that advance Snap's augmented reality platform. Snap Lab's programs explore possibilities for the future of Snap Camera, including spectacles. Spectacles are evolving. Iterative research and development project and the latest generation is designed to support developers as they explore the technical bounds of augmented reality. So they're, they're talking about devices that you just wear, you strap it on, whatever. You have the statements from Regina Dugan. That should be well known to anybody that's ever watched my show. She was a former head of DARPA and then moved over to Facebook division. And um, she was talking in the mid 2000s about something called wearables, which were these basically these microchips that you put on your skin and you wear them. And then there's all this stuff that they do. Then you have the implants. I did this in um, chapter five of Cult of the Medics. Chapter five is, is dedicated to this discussion of where they're at with transhumanism. And that chapter is already outdated since it's released because it's far ahead already. It's just, this is the fastest growing thing on the, on, in the world, augmented reality, synthetic reality, artificial reality, artificial intelligence. This is the new religion of the world. This is the new world order. Forget about real reality. Augmented reality is where it's at. And they're trying to train our children to prefer augmented artificial reality over organic natural intelligence and real reality. Hence all of the, oh, there is no reality priests out there. So mind control, man, they're talking openly about it. Proving Jim Keith. I mean, Jim Keith wrote this book. When did it come out? When did this book come out? 1999. 1999, he wrote this. And he's talking about where the technology was acts back, acts back, or where it was at back then. He's going back to the leading thinkers on it, how it all got built, getting into the CIA, the specific individuals, all the history of it. He's got all the sources in here as well, which is great. Using light frequency using the um the different electronic entrainments he got it's a whole chapter chapter 13 called occult connections that would be interesting to get into yeah he's talking about here i'm just reading it as we go here a prime instance of cia involvement in a cult in recent years is the case of jim jones people's temple Evangelist Jim Jones started out as a member of Bertrand Russell's Fellowship of Reconciliation, which sponsored him at Butler College in Indianapolis. The fellowship is reported to have financed his first trip to Brazil in 1961. Jones at the time told the Brazilians that he was in the employ of naval intelligence and both his food and lodging during his stay were provided by the U.S. Embassy. While in Brazil, Jones took regular trips to Belo Horizonte, the location of CIA headquarters in the region and returned to the United States with an unexplained $10,000 of cash. Apparently, he was doing more than missionary work. So, wow, that's a good rabbit hole to go down. 
how many of these guys were sponsored by the cult of intelligence? And then, um, you know, what makes us such easy targets for manipulation? Like what makes that pigeon an easy target for the Skinner box experimenters? What makes that rat a target for those experiments? Well, the limitation of its intelligence. So you put them in a lab, you put them in all these different rat mazes. You give that pigeon something to peck and then you give it reward. Food is the reward. Well, they're looking at that and they're going, well, we can, if we can manipulate an animal to behave like this and we can train it, we're making it unnatural. By doing that, taking it out of its natural environment, putting it in this fake synthetic environment where it's actually a box or a maze, you're stripping away the nature of the thing and you're changing its nature and thereby, because you're changing, well, you're not just changing its nature. In order to change its nature, you're changing its environment first. You're making changes to the environment of that animal because the animal, as all consciousness and same with humans, are ability to think and our self-ideation, the way we perceive ourselves, the way we perceive our world is often linked to our environment. Uh, many of the different you know, things you're going to grow up with, these different fears and anxieties may have been induced by way of the environment that you were raised in, right? So that's why I use the changing of the fish tank water analogy when I'm talking about how mind control or manipulation of the mass mind, the whole, the way, the, the way that they know how to induce this mass formation psychosis we hear so much about it's induced. They're changing. They're putting you in a rat maze and they're giving you confinements. Look at the, what did they do with the pandemic? The arrows, the stand on the X go through these roped off sections like cattle, because for some reason that's safety. You know, you see people in the airport, they're all standing waiting for their airplane six feet apart. And then they're about to get onto one big sardine can and go fly somewhere, share, you know, breathing in the same shared air. It's just a laugh and people did it. Why? Because they were manipulated on a subconscious level. And they all, every single one of those people standing in that line, just like that pigeon, just like that rat, believe they are under full control of their mind. But they are not. They are responding to entrainment. They are, their responses and their behaviors have been induced, have been crafted for them by experts who've studied this with a level of obsession that I don't think we can possibly imagine except that to just look at the state of the world and go, wow, that's commitment. <laughs> that's commitment that the average person out there doesn't have, but somebody does. Somebody does have that level of commitment. They are that convinced that this project of manipulating the mass mind to create the new man and the new world and to reset everything. They believe they're doing good, but are they? You're, distor you're distorting something out of its natural habitat. You're taking something from its natural habitat and then you're retraining it 
and who gets to decide how that being is going to be trained and what the good part of it is and what the bad part of it is. Who gets to make these decisions? Who are these people constructing this new world, getting involved in all these political causes, creating mass fear campaigns in the media to manipulate your mind and build Skinner boxes? Who would do that? Why would they do it? Qui bono. So these are the questions I thought of today when I was thinking about this. And these are the questions that I'm not going to answer for you. I'm just going to throw them at you so you can think about it. Are you in charge of your own destiny? That is like a rabbit hole you could be going down for a long time. Are you, the person listening to this, am I in charge of my own destiny? Really? I might believe, and you have to, you, you as a, this was a, something I tried to bring out in that last show, the psychology of dependence as a human being, it's understandable that your answer would be, well, of course I am. Of course I'm in charge of my own destiny. The reason you're going to say that with the conviction that you'll say it, and I hope you say it, but the reason you're going to say it is because that knowledge is essential for your survival and your you know it down to a genetic level that that's what you need. You need to have that mindset in order to survive in this world. If you didn't have the mindset that you're controlling your destiny and you're making decisions and you're forming judgments day by day that either contribute to your survival or they don't, right? You have to believe that you're the one reading the map. You have to be the one believing that everything you know is correct and accurate because it's 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 built into the, the human brain that we need to operate like that. But here's the, here's the pill. Here's the red pill. That pigeon also has that built into it. And now we have the fortunate opportunity as humans to look at that pigeon and go, oh my God, he's in a Skinner box and he doesn't even know it. Look at that monkey. He's living in a cage. He doesn't even know it. Look at that rat. He's running through a maze. He doesn't even know it. We have the objectivity as the humans to say, look what we're doing to these animals. Look how stupid they are. <laughs> what if there's something doing that to us? Did you ever think about that? <laughs> oh, we don't want to talk about that. That's a little too, nobody likes to talk about that. Let's get the debunkers out right away, please. We don't want to think about that. So all those things go into this question. Are you in charge of your own destiny? gets into the, the old discussion of free will and fatalism and all that. Next one. Is there an invisible prison set up around us? Is there an invisible prison set up around us? And I'm not getting into like, I'm not talking about domes or any of this kind of, I'm talking about like the prison for your mind. Is there a prison for your mind? They're saying it in Time Magazine. Yep, there's a prison for your mind. Check out all the new technology we have. It's amazing. We're going to change the world. So if there's a prison for us, are we on a farm? Are we in a prison, right? We've always asked this, prison planet, right? So if there's an invisible prison set up around us, if so, by whom and for what purpose? Is it for the good of humanity or for something else? Well, it's the project to create the new man. Is that a good thing? Or is that a dangerous thing? 
I think it's dangerous. And the fact that there's so many people that aren't even asking that question frightens me more than the fact that the thing is happening. And then here you go. Is there a reason why so many are unaware of this prison? And could that reason be because they've been trained not to see the prison? Have they been trained to not see it? Because there's what is the reality of the situation. And then there's your perspective of the situation. And it's in that perspective area. That's the gray area where these behaviorists and the psychology department comes in. The cult of intelligence comes in the big tech digitocracy comes in and says, well, we are building a prison for your mind. Uh, it's called meta. It's called whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> meta physically, you know, uh, it's the big, big prison. It's the matrix. Yep, definitely. But it's going to be fun. It's got lots of flashing lights. We got lots of emoji characters. We got lots of avatars for you. We got different identities because reality and your physical body as it is, you probably don't, you got some problems with it. Don't worry. You can reconstruct what you want to be in this new artificial reality matrix that we're tuning and fine tuning by the day. We know that you would prefer to live in our prison than reality, which we've trained you to believe is itself a prison. So we are the liberators and there's your communist manifesto. There's your, let's create the new reset, the new world order. So there's the questions. Are you in charge of your own destiny? Is there an invisible prison set up around us? If so, by whom and for what purpose? And is there a reason so many are unaware of this prison? And is that reason because they have been trained not to see it? And then if you are trained not to see it, when you see it, and we call that, whoa, I woke up and I started to see the prison. Is that where it ends? Nope, because now you're signing on for another prison after another prison. And you eventually just have to go, is any of my thoughts my own? Like, So how do I escape all this? How do I deal with it? Well, I've often spoken about it as being, this is what you need all the shadow work for. This is why you need to talk about it's a very personal thing now. It's not about some group saving anybody or some new politician we can vote in to save us from this. We can make changes. We can definitely improve things in that regard. But the ultimate way out of global tyranny and the way out of all of us, what we would call good people, well-meaning people who just want to be left alone, sitting back while our world is overrun by arch criminals, who engage in some very anti-human practices that would keep you up at night if you learned about it. If we want to see an end to that, the place to start is getting out of your own mental prison so that you can then see and then help others understand what's really going on. So here's two quotes from B.F. Skinner that I found interesting. He says, it is a mistake to suppose that the whole issue is how to free man. The issue is to improve the way in which he is controlled. <laughs> That's how he saw it. That's how these people see it. And sometimes you look around, and I got to be honest, sometimes I look around at the world and the social media and where people are at, and I listen to where people are at. And I'm like, oh my God, 
Maybe these guys have a point. And I know that'd be a, a horrible thing to say because here I am trying to fight it. But all I can do is say, sometimes I sit back and I can understand how they reach these conclusions, even though I will fight them to the death on this because I haven't completely lost my humanitarian side. And I don't want to live in a gulag that's conditioned by the mind of the masses, which is manipulated and controlled by the Skinner box creators. But you still sit back sometimes and you look at the just utter stupidity and the fighting and the endless just, I don't know. It's, it's all run by fear and so many people can't master it. And you sit back and go, okay, I can understand where you're coming from, but I'm going to have to disagree with you, Mr. Skinner. going to have to disagree with you because I believe that the problem can be fixed by other ways other than imposing global tyranny and massive depopulation that, and, and just creating a bunch of robots in the world and getting a, getting, they're at the point where like, we're just going to eradicate what it is to be human. You're all programmable robots, robots, says Yoel Harari, right? And he's just echoing the voices of all these other, his progenitors and his forefathers. Um, I don't think that the issue is to improve the way in which he's controlled. I believe the issue is to actually help heal the trauma, help heal the fear, and help awaken humanity. But these globalists, collectivists, Tyrants have become that way because they disagree with us on that. They think, nope, more control. Well, then I got into the psychology of a dictator in the last show to go, oh, well, all right, if that's what your conclusion is, and maybe you can even make a logical case for it, I, I'm more curious about what underpins your conclusion and what made you so obsessively committed to bringing it about in the world. And that's where we got into the psychology of a dictator. Psychology of a Dictator, which I did a little post on my Telegram just to recap from last show. I'll just read it again for you because it's perfect. Oh, I got to do the world government thing. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, there's two quotes here. Yeah. So found a nice picture of crazy Trudeau. And when I posted this, they, other people, this is from Nathaniel Brandon. Okay. He's talking about the psychology of a dictator. They... Other people are his only means of perception. He doesn't perceive anything beyond that. Like a blind man who depends on the sight of a dog, he feels he must leash them in order to live. This is, the, this is the, what drives not just the dictators of the world, but the dictators in your own personal life. They operate on the same frequency. They want to leash you in order to live. They want to control you in order to feel like they have control in their own lives. It's projection. This is the person who feels helpless in reality, feels helpless in the position of seeking voluntary help or approval from others, because that would be the noble way. Earn your keep, meritocracy. Don't force people to like you and respect you. Earn it. And who, in order to feel secure in this world, needs to control those other consciousnesses which he dreads. He's frightened of freedom. He's frightened of a free mind. That's the dictator. Freedom frightens them. That's why they're looking down your nose at you when you're like, what about freedom? And like, freedom. You're a free dummy. That's, that's what they are because that's why they're acting like that. They themselves are 
adopting the mind of the tyrant. And then the other one is about normality because this is really crucial with this whole Skinner box. What are they doing with a Skinner? What is a Skinner box? Well, in the physical experiments, it was actually a box that they would put this rat or this pigeon in and they would do these experiments and they would drive it off of the tokenization or the, uh, the reward systems and they would change behavior through reward systems. We'll look at social media. What is it but a giant reward system? It's a giant Skinner box. Look at most of the video games you play. It's a reward system, giant Skinner box. Doesn't mean it's all evil. It's just, just take notice of it. Evil can only have power over a mind that isn't aware of it, right? But what is it? They're trying to create in the, in the, in the mind, the construct of the mindset of the mass public mind. We're talking about them saying this is a normal thing. They want to, the reward is normality. Because they know deep down, the psychologist team at the CIA knows that humans seek rest in their psyche based on their environment being normal to them, being perceived as normal. This is normal. As long as it's normal, we accept it. If you go to the Middle East and you see them burying women halfway into the sand for some minor infraction or another, and having a bunch of men and women stone her to death, that's normal over there. That's a normal thing, right? Or when they're all running in the streets, cutting their heads with swords and their blood is dripping down. Or any, any cult, it's normal, the normalcy thing. If they can make it seem normal, then it just is normal. And that's why they told you, well, we're gonna have a new normal now, guys. If we want a new world order, we need a new normal. So they induce a new normal. And the new normal is draconian surveillance. The medical technocracy walking in, pushing aside your constitutional documents that are supposedly there to protect you and saying, yeah, that's out. The new normal's in. The new laws are in. We are the ones now. You've just been conquered. And we are your new rulers. And we're bringing in the new normal. That's what it is. And then they make it seem normal. And then all the Karens of the world go, why aren't you playing game with the new normal? That's really what they're yelling you, at you about because their feeling of normalcy eases anxiety. If they believe that the new state of things that's determined by this oligarchy is normal, then the, the reason they find comfort in this tyrannical setup is because it eases their anxiety. There is no other reason, but there's no rational reason. There's no arguments to be made for it. They all fall apart at the seams the minute you sit them down and actually bring some real thinking and some real hard facts in front of them. They all I've done it many times and I just watch them dodge, 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 dodge because they're dodging reality. And the reason they're dodging reality is because reality is too frightening for them because it imposes responsibility with it. And instead they're being given well, no, I, I, I've been told there's a new normal and I'm going to follow it without question because by following it, I've been given 007 status on myself to abnegate my personal responsibility. And so that eases anxiety. So they just need to induce the state of normalcy. They can call it whatever they want. 
And as long as they can make it seem appealing to you and the, what they're using to make it appealing to you is, yeah, a bunch of flashing lights and old con modern conveniences and, and saving you time and money and all, they're going to give you all the sales or oh, health measures going to make you healthier. They're going to give you all these reasons that are going to appeal to what, what are, what are those sales pitches designed for? They're designed to appeal to the things that they know you're grasping onto to assist you in achieving survival and to easing your fear of not surviving. So um, they want to build normalcy into it. So the reason we're bringing, this is where Arnold Gruen's quote comes in and it's from his great book, The Insanity of Normality. And he wrote this well before COVID, it was in the 60s, I think. The Insanity of Normality Towards Understanding Human Destructiveness. So him and many other thinkers were looking around and going, what is up with this human destructiveness? We can't get away from it. It's everywhere. It's in every culture. It's all around the world. It's in every page of history. The penchant for violence on a level that you can't even imagine. But that violence is the, a world of effects. When we see violence in the streets, you see all these guys running around just gunning people down or looting stores with, you know, the moral relativism. Uh, you see all this violence in the streets, all this chaos going on. That is an induced state of normalcy via the Skinner box. That is order out of chaos. And they know that that's just the world of effect. They know that the boiling out of the physical violence and chaos in the streets that humans have the potential to do, especially these mobs and crowds of people um, who act like a bunch of zombies, right? They know that that is coming from inner violence, inner violence, psychic violence. It's repression. It's there's, there's a whole layer. This is why we cover so much psychology on unslaved, because it's like, you got to understand that to just to understand the world of the cause. That's the world of the cause is the mind and the world of effects is the theater of the world. So when you see violence in the world, you know, okay, the cause started up here somewhere. And what if there are people who understand that thoroughly and know how to manipulate that through these Skinner box techniques? So let me get to the darn quote already. Arnold Gruen says, the insanity masking itself as normality is fundamentally different from what is usually meant by that word. Therefore, we need to reformulate the concept of insanity. Schizophrenia which is the recognizable form of insanity, needs to be seen from a completely different perspective, namely as the struggle against a much more portentous kind of insanity, one that has the semblance of normality. So we are all taken in by the outer appearance of normality, since under the pressures of our upbringing, we have lost contact with what lies behind this facade. I'm gonna read that last statement again. We are all taken in by the outer appearance of normality since under the pressures of our upbringing, we have lost contact with what lies behind this facade. That you knew reality better when you were young. To, start, to a certain extent, of course, right? Intuitively, you did. And then as your logic forms and as your mind forms and you experience the world, you, you formulate a self, you formulate an identity. But 
so much of that identity has been crafted for you before and has been like these thinkers lived before my time. This knowledge of how to induce this Skinner box normality was known well before I've been here, before you've been here. So we show up, we're born, we're raised. And we believe that we're controlling our own destinies. But what if you're not? You have the potential. To, I've always had that belief that you have the potential to, but there's a, you've got to wake up from the matrix in order to do that. Otherwise you will be guided. You'll go to the default settings and expert manipulators will craft you into the being that they want. And what if that's not as benevolent as they're selling it to you? There's my question. What if it's not so up and up? What if it's not so benign? What if it's not just about the betterment of humanity? What if that's just the slogan on the package? But the fine print never gets read by the consumer of these ideas. So there you go. There's that. And then the other quote. So uh, did I do this one? Oh, yeah. So the BF Skinner quotes. I didn't read them. I put this one in the description. Oh, no, I did read this one. Sorry. Let's go to the second one. If freedom is a requisite for human happiness, he says, then all that's necessary is to provide the illusion of freedom. I mean, again, whether he thought all this up himself or whether he just did the research and people like him did it and then it was scavenged by predatory forces i'll leave that to you but he's putting it right here the blueprint it's very simple so if it, it, we've just we've figured out he says we figured out that freedom is the requisite for happiness and contentment we we know it's the same with animals animals instinctively desire to be free they don't want to be captured and put in cages and experimented on by darpa scientists or maybelline makeup scientists that are you know dissecting them to put shit on women's faces. Like they don't want that. You're not going to go here, kitty, kitty, come on in. We're going to skin you alive and use your organs to make face cream. Like obviously that animals gonna be like, no, I'll take freedom. Thank you very much. I'm freaking out of here. If they were able to operate on their own will, that pigeon doesn't want to sit there pecking a stone it wants to peck in nature. So same with humans, but they know it. So they know instinctively you have a drive for freedom. They know that. That's why Arnold Toynbee, one of the great uh, historians, but also one of the guys on board with bringing in the global world government socialist utopian vision said, we must wrestle away this idea of sovereignty little bit by little bit. Echoing the statements by Club of Rome, Aurelio Peque, and all those guys. We got to wrestle this gradually diminished sovereignty in the mind. Drag, just gradually, gradually, gradually. So that they come into our Skinner box. So freedom is the requisite for human happiness. Now that we know that, well, all we got to do is create the illusion of freedom. Just like we did for those pigeons and rats. Here's your 15-minute city. Sign up here. And then you got George Orwell from his book, 1984. Power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. That's power. That good. You know, like it's that good. It's that refined. It's that's the idea he was trying to warn us about in that book.
That's power. Power isn't in the hands of the banksters. That's just a mechanism that can be used to help build Skinner boxes where you think you're free, but you think your money's, but your money's all built on debt to people that aren't even loyal to your country. Um, you know, the real power, the power money can't buy is in understanding the, how to control, manipulate human consciousness. That's why, that's why advertising agencies and marketing firms and mega corporations and big tech, that's why they are as powerful as they are, is because they have achieved this in the real world. They have achieved that. And we've given them our consent the entire way. Walt Disney wouldn't be what it is today without all the subscribers to it, as Disney's finding out, because now they're going woke and going broke. But what's real power? What was the power in the hands of these cults of intelligence that didn't just start in the 21st century, my friends? They go all the way back. You know, the very ancient, these ideas, at least. The ideas are there. They're just uh, improved over time. Now you got new fancy toys and technology to help achieve this. Well, what's the power? What was the power of all these dictators in history we've spoken about or all these cult leaders or religions or whatever or political factions? It's in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your choosing. Your choosing meaning the choosing of your masters, the overseers. They don't want you directed by your own will because then you're not going to stay in the lab for them to experiment on and create the new man. I don't want to be a new man. If I'm a new man, it's because I it was my doing. It was my application of my will and my reason into my life. I want to live a life where if I make a mistake, I reap the repercussions of that mistake so that I can learn from it. If I have a success, I want to feel the glory of that success. And you do too, hopefully. That's the basic, we all instinctively want freedom, just as that rat wants it. But it's bigger than the rat, and it's bigger than us. And maybe it's just as simple as realizing this, and then boom, the spell is broken, and now you actually get to have a choice. Waking up is more than just realizing that they've lied to us about a few things. <laughs> it's about this. Claiming your mind back, realizing that there are forces at work in this world that have been with us as far as we can track right up to the present moment. They didn't go away. We didn't vanquish evil just because we won World War II or whatever. We didn't really win World War II in the West. It was just a reordering of how the big chessboard was going to be played. That's about it. And they found out that, well, we don't need to put tanks on the ground anymore. We don't, the, 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 the haters of the West, the people infiltrating the West and trying to take it over and destroy it, they didn't have to send armies in here to do it. They didn't have to send like an, a ground invasion to do it. They would have had their arses kicked. So that's why they never did that. So what they did was they did it this way. They created Skinner boxes. They used hook and crook. They used manipulation. They conspired. Yep, they conspired. And they conspired to tear your mind to pieces and put it back together again into new shapes of their choosing. That's the conspiracy. When people go, what's the big conspiracy? That's it. There you go. I just told you. Where's the proof? Where's the sources? 
<laughs> You're living in it. You're living in the proof right now. <laughs> it's right in front of you. Now I got a couple from Manly P. Hall. A treatise on esoteric ethics. He says, black magic appeals to the mass mind. I've read this quote before. Black magic. So he, this is getting a little more esoteric, okay? Just bear with me. Black magic appeals to the mass mind. It appeals to it. You see all this black magic in Hollywood and in the cultural stuff coming out right now. It's a degraded culture. It's because it's appealing to the mass mind, but it's black magic because you can see the proof in the pudding of what it's producing. It appeals to the principles of our civilization. It offers something for nothing. So it, it, it wears the wolf, the wolf wears sheep's clothing. Surprise, surprise. What you're really, when you would talk to people about this stuff, what they're really arguing with you is that there is no wolf. There's no wolf. It's just sheep everywhere. There's just, there's no wolves though. They would live in the world where there's only deers, but there's no cougars. <laughs> I'm like, all I'm trying to say guys is yes, there are cougars. There are wolves. There are apex predators. That's really the debate. I don't think it's too hard, but it offers something for nothing, but it wears the clothing of virtue, doesn't it? So it plays on your virtue because they know you, they know as a human being, you instinctively also want to do good. You don't have a deep desire consciously, at least if you're at least a sane, rational person, you don't have a conscious desire to harm other people unless of course they push you too far. And then, yeah, you're going to pull out the you know, the wild chimpanzee side, and you're going to go crazy, right? But they know in general, most people just want to live their lives and kiss their children at night and get up and work an honest living and enjoy their lives and, you know, get some time off and just live their lives. They, they know that. But naivety is something that can be easy manipulated. So they're going to offer you something for nothing. That's the sales pitch of the devil, isn't it? Here's something for nothing. You don't have to do any. I'll just give it to you for free. Here's a new superpower. Here's the elixir of life at no cost. Here's a free lunch. The government will pay you UBI now. You don't have to go and make something yourself, gain some skills, gain some knowledge, and then go and actually create value in the world and create value for your society. You don't have to do that anymore. Let's take all that stress away from you. You don't have to pay back your student loans. The government's got you. We will pay for your existence. And you're like, all the people that are now in debt are going to be like, yay, I've been freed from this debt. My anxiety has been expunged and now I'm being taken care of. They're offering you something for nothing. That has always been known in all the literature, folklore, legends, myths as being the voice of the devil, right? So he continues, as long as there is cupidity in the human heart, it will remain as a menace to the honest and integrity, honesty, integrity of our race. Then he says, this is interesting. And I had a few bits out of this one. He goes, the black magic of the middle ages with its witchcraft and orgies is not dead. Only its form has changed like all other forms in nature. Ain't that the truth? Aren't we learning a lot about this? Uh, this is what I've been trying to say. And this is what cult of the medics is about is that none of this is really new. It's just updated. 
the black magic, the occultism, the ritual component of this, of the Middle Ages that we all think about with all the witchcraft, the orgies, the sacrifice, all this horrible stuff, it's not dead. It's just changed its form. It has incarnated again in our age with all its power and fury. It is gnawing as, is the day, as in the days of old, gnawing at the very heart of our civilization. As the black magician has no legitimate means of securing his power, not having passed through the school of reclamation, he wanders the earth vampirizing humanity in order to secure the vitality which he must have in order to continue his operations. So there's the psychic vampire explained. You've probably met some in your personal life. And who do you think is running the ships of state right now? The black magicians. I did a bit on this in uh, chapter nine, which I, I loved how it turned out. It's got my favorite song from Laserhawk. I kind of like some of that retro synth. I don't know. I'm a little bit weird like that. But anyways, that's a really good section. We get into the black magic and um, how black magic appeals to the public mind. And we mix it up with the Bernays quotes just to, again, illustrate this point. So when we talk about Skinner boxes and we talk about manipulation of the public mind, um, I would call it what it is, which is just simply black magic. That's what it is. And the people that created it and took advantage of it and are applying it, I think they're black magicians. But if you prefer a more modern term, if that's just a little too old school for you, you could just call them the digitocracists, the digitocracy, <laughs> the mediaocracy. So if we realize that normal, what we call normal, is really just a masked insanity, and that the normal you're seeking when you ascribe to a collective normal, like, cause that's, if you think about all these brands and all these ideas and all these little enclaves on the internet, those are just different states of normality that people seek. That's why people join cults. They want something normal. That's why, and not all groups like this are bad. Like I have, I've created an environment of normalcy at my dojo for people to come to, and it can be a very positive thing as long as it's not being manipulated so that you're basically creating another Skinner box of your own. You know what I mean? If you're in, if you're trying to create an environment to encourage freedom and thinking and real positive community, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all these inauthentic versions of that, right? Where people are signing on for ideas that they're seeing in their social media screen feeds, and they're just buying into it without taking a second thought. And then now they're on that team. And because these oligarchs and these, uh, even these big tech people, they know we're tribal by nature. What do they do? What is a brand? Even think of the word brand. What was branding before it became something the media marketers used? That was what you did to cattle to show they're part of this. You're on Yellowstone ranch. We're branding you. They even used to brand the cowboys that worked the ranches, right? They used to brand the slaves. They used to brand uh, even the endorsements from the king with the signet rings where they would dip it in that hot wax and then leave their seal of approval. That was a branding of that document to brand it as being authorized by the, the leader. Now they create brands 
where, and what do they do? They'd hire a marketing team that's filled up with a psychologist team that knows how to appeal to the mass mind so that they, you go buy things and you endorse the brand. They put it all over your clothes. They put it on your car. They put it on everything. And then you're what they call brand loyalty. That's the whole thing in the marketing world. How do I achieve brand loyalty? How do they get women to wear this makeup and not that makeup or buy these pieces of clothes and those pieces, this fashion who sets the trends in fashion, which, I mean, have you seen the state of the fashion world? It's like aliens have landed and they're just, that's the fashion world. <laughs> that's where they are, but they create brand loyalties. Well, what if that science of how to create a brand appeal to the mind, market it, and they market it by having that product or that item represent something that you want. And they already figured out what you want. So they just have to create products and brands that appeal to what you want. And then now you're loyal to that brand and you're going to give them your money. You're going to give them something in exchange for access to the tribe or the brand. Well, they can do the same thing in the political world. They can create political brands. They can do it in the world of philosophy and create different philosophical brands. They can do it in religion and appeal to a different center of the brain and then get you in that tribe. And then that, and then here we are, you know, watching war after war after war, basically the competition of one brand over another. And then look what we went through the pandemic. Are you, did you get the, did you get branded by walking up to the stall and getting injected with our new experimental injection to prove loyalty to the brand, to prove loyalty to the brand of, you know, the world health organization who's just trying to build the new man and the new world. So why, what's your problem, right? That's their argument. Did you, did you fall for that brand? Right? So I guess what I'm saying is these are all like, you call it a brand, you call it a Skinner box. It's all the same. And only when you're aware of this, can you see it? Like only, like my wife did media studies in school and we had many discussions. She did political science and I was kind of young and naive. Met her when I was 19 and she was the first person to start telling me, Hey, you got to watch the media, you know, cause they're just creating these brands and showed me some of the books that she was getting into, you know, about this and it got me turned on to it. And now here I am. I've been set loose upon the world now because once I started learning about how this works and then seeing where all these um, different methodologies actually originated, it's enlightening. And then when you see it, now you can't unsee it. So that means there's a way out of this. There's a way to stop falling for this. There's a way to free yourself from this mental prison of being controlled by the dictates of others. That's really what we're talking about. Like, do you want to control your destiny? Because if you do, then you're going to be here listening to this and going, okay, so how do we get out of this? The very fact that you're thinking that is already the first step. But there's a lot of people that would be horrified to hear what I'm saying. And they would be like, no, that can't be. And this is why you get shouted down when you bring it up. And it goes back to that old quote, quote the, the person who doesn't believe that mind manipulation exists is probably a victim of it. <laughs> because it's everywhere. And now they're just telling us in the open that it's everywhere. And there's, they're saying they're now they're selling it. I remember when they would used to say, Oh, mind control is just a conspiracy theory. 
now they're advertising mind control as this is what we need, guys. We got to go in the direction of, this is Time Magazine. We just read it. More mind control. It's going to be lovely. That's what Skinner's arguments were. That's what Edward Bernays' arguments were. We need mind control. It's essential. And all I can do is sit back and go, did they actually have an argument or what are the counter the arguments? And that's why you pull out George Orwell, you pull out all these other guys that would say, you know, Arnold Gruen and all these guys that go, no, 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 no. So now at least you've got the profile of the dictator, the profile of how they use this Skinner box methodology to trap your mind so that you're not, because if you're trapped in the Skinner box, if you're trapped in the, if you've been baptized into the cult, right? You can't think autonomously anymore. That's the threat. That's the issue. If you can't think autonomously anymore, that means you're not thinking anymore. And then when you're not thinking, that means someone else is thinking for you. And is that someone else really thinking in your best interest or not? I would argue in most cases, no. Even if they say that they are. How many manipulative, abusive spouses or people you maybe you've been in a relationship with that operate like this to a certain degree, right? How many of them would sit there and advocate that what they're doing to constrain your freedom is for your best interest? They would argue that, that I've been in arguments with the, these types of people. Oh, I just did everything I could for you. I sacrificed everything for you. The least you can do is do the same for me. And then you do the calculation, realize the only reason you ever did any good for me was to manipulate me to do something for you. You didn't do it out of any organic virtue. You did it specifically to get something from me. Wow. <laughs> I've had many wake-up calls with people that I was close to who operated like this. And all I'm here to do is say, yeah, this is what's they're telling you on the world stage that this is all in your best interest. We need to create these Skinner boxes for you because it's for your best interest, guys. Because you humans just don't know how to live on your own. And for those of us that are fighting for freedom, all we can sit back is do is sit, make a firm stance and say, yeah, no, I'm not going along with that. I will be the one that determines my destiny. Thank you very much. I will decide what ideas I'm going to bring into my mind and what ones I'm not. If the rest of the world goes along with it, that doesn't matter. I'm only going to be oriented towards what the truth is and, and what my destiny is unfolding for me. So those who, those of us, this kind of also takes away the victim complex, doesn't it? I think that's where I'm going to wrap this. The victim complex where people, they maybe learn about this for the first time and they say, look what they're doing to us. And yeah, that's stage one. That's totally justifiable that you would be feeling that way. But, you know, those of us have been around a while, eventually you're going to find out that that kind of wears off and you realize, okay, yeah, we know it's evil. We know who's doing it. We understand why. We've done the psychological profile. We get it. But what are, what's the slave doing to keep the master in business? Are they really violating 
the natural or law or are they manipulating it so that they get manufactured consent and then thereby justify what they're doing because they go look you want us to come and control your mind that's the thing you're afraid of your mind don't worry here's a pill <laughs> here's a bunch of ideas here's a bunch of brands for you to sign up to here's a bunch of cults for you to join so that you don't have to have the burden of thinking for yourself we know you're afraid of it so we're going to create the skinner box of the world and ease all of your anxiety and then they sing you the lullabies and you go to sleep and you wake up and you're wondering why is my economy crashing why is there more violence in the streets why is everything getting more expensive why am i having less freedom why am i sicker than ever before and Welcome to the Skinner box. You've just realized it. So how do you get out of it? Well, you get out of it by being aware of it. As I've said before, I also don't know if I have, I don't have all the answers for it. I just can sit back and diagnose it and say, here's my best shot at what we can do about this. I just know what I've done for myself and I'm still not immune. I'm, I've probably fallen into Skinner boxes myself and it's just the way of it, but I think after watching this show and, and going through this and, and researching this, the beautiful thing about your mind is that once your mind becomes consciously aware of something going on, you are aware of it henceforth. And so now that you've seen just a real rough sketch of how this whole process of mind manipulation and mind control works, just that alone is an antidote. You don't have to do a 12 step program and you know, like I'm not here to sell you any of that. Like it's awareness alone mitigates the effects of this manipulation. Once you see the manipulation as manipulation, it can't manipulate you anymore unless you want it to. So that just comes down to an internal choice. And then now you can start formulating your judgments and your opinions and your decisions after knowing this and you will be the one that determines what to do. You don't need to ask me or anybody else, what do we do next? Like you're going to know now that you know what's happening. I think it's very obvious. See the manipulation for what it is. All this um, digital social media manipulation, see it for what it is. Take notice of it. I, I'm, I'm with friends all the time and we're talking about something and then we all joke about how when we open up our social media screens, we're seeing advertisements for the things we were just talking about. And it's a great opportunity to go, isn't that crazy? The, this is beyond wiretaps. Like this is, they're listening at all times. And now they've got information on how you function. They've even got your subconscious activity about how your gait patterns work when you walk, how many times you travel to certain places and shop at certain locations and what kind of stuff you look at on the internet. Like they have a, a, a lab. That's what social media is. It's a giant lab for the DARPA or whatever social media intelligence guys to collect all that data and then create custom made Skinner boxes for you. Do you throw your social media in the ocean? 
some people might want to. Others like us will say, no, I'm going to become a digital warrior and I'm going to go out and use that weapon against them to expose this and help awaken people and, and share positive things and share good critiques and share good information and fight back. So that proves the fact that there exists a resistance to this Borg that's taking over the world uh, proves that there is such a thing as free will because that means the people that broke away from the Borg matrix and made those decisions, they had to withstand the force of the most sophisticated propaganda machine that's ever been invented in recorded history in order to not fall prey to it. Like definitely get some stars for that because you've just proven free will. Congratulations. Because not only did you prove free will that you can actually not fall into the trap and you can rebel against it. Uh, you've you've proven the very vigorous nature of the will in general. The fact that the will is that strong that it can withstand the storm that we've all had to withstand and are still withstanding. It's beautiful. It, it, it contradicts the entire sales pitch of their Skinner box. Don't you see your existence as, as somebody that's challenging and questioning all of the knowns, the known beliefs of the tribes that have all been injected into their minds for them. You're the one challenging, going, I, I don't think so. I think there's another take on that. The fact that you exist spits in the face of this tyranny and this technocracy. So bravo, give yourself a hand. Cheers to you. Keep it going. Keep strengthening your mind. And don't, when they want to keep scaring you, laugh in their face. That's your attitude moving forward. That's your mindset moving forward. Just laughter at the pathetic desperation of it all. The, the desperation to control your mind. That's what I start to sit back and I just have a little smile on my face. I'm like, look how desperate you are. Like, you're trying to tell me that me drinking hot tea causes all the myocarditis that we're saying? Like, get out of here. Like, that's hilarious. We need carbon credits now and all this stuff and digital passports and central bank digital currencies that's what the, that's the new thing that's going to help humanity become the new man go fuck yourself you're hilarious it's so desperate it's desperate because i see the control i listen to the, what the governments are saying and freeland and all these people all these clowns they roll out we did such a brilliant job on the economy like i can't even pat myself on the back enough meanwhile the average canadian household can't even feed their children because they don't have enough money. It's all going to carbon taxes and God knows what. Price of everything is skyrocketing as it always does under these socialists, right? People are seeing through it. So you have an organic will. You have an organic mind that was given to you by whatever process brought all of this into being. Call it what you want. And they're trying to tell you, let's not... Let's not go with that, that sophisticated, you know, organic machinery that you've been given. Uh, let's go with what our, our transhumanist division has created. It's more, it's superior. Like Bill Gates is what he's got, man. It's just, it's better than the thing that makes neutron stars. And the, like, it's, it's better than the thing that 
allows existence to function. Like he knows more. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. The hubris of it. And it's all born out of fear. It's all born out of uh, all these psychological things that we've gone through. So I didn't want to go too much longer. I don't want to make this too long. Um, I hope you go watch chapter 10. I think that section called the Skinner box. It's one of my, it's another favorite. It's such a good one. We had Ben Stewart in there. He made some good things on that. Josh Reed was on there with me talking about this. We had a good chat about it. And, um, what a great subject to bring up because once you see it, you can't unsee it. And it's now that you've seen it, you, you've developed immunity, you've developed immunity to it. So don't see it with the eyes of negativity. Don't see it with the eyes of falling into despair that this is going on. Just recognize it as this is business as usual on this planet. And that means I have to do what I can with the time that I have left to free my mind. I mean, if your goal is to remain human, like if that's your goal, if your goal is to remain human and to actualize your full potential, well, then, then you're going to want to do that. If you don't want, if you're like, I reject what it is to be human. I think we're all a bunch of slugs and, uh, I'm, I'm down with the new man project and I'm down with Klaus Schwab and all those guys. Um, then you keep cheering for the cyborg future. You go, you keep cheering for that all you want. But for those of us who want to stay human, never surrender, never surrender. And for, start by never surrendering your mind. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. I'm, uh, I'm glad you showed up. I'll put some of these notes over on my telegram, go check it out. DW truth warrior. You can get me also on X at truth warrior dad. Those are my two main social medias. I don't like having all these social medias. I barely want to have those two, but I'll keep going. Um, keep tuning in here. I, I'm definitely going to try to, I want to try booking some guests, get some good guests on here, but I'll definitely have some good shows coming your way. Working on some new premiums as well. For those of you supporting me on truth, Warrior premium. And thank you very much. And, uh, thanks to everybody who supported the film series cult of the medics without you, I couldn't have done it. So much gratitude for that and uh go check out chapter 10 if you haven't seen it and definitely look more to look forward to more coming down the pipeline so have a good one guys stay free truth wins we'll catch you next time cheers <laughs>